Could I interest you in everything all of the time? A little bit of everything all of the time. Apathy's a tragedy and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything all of the time. Could I interest you in everything all of the time? A little bit of everything all of the time. Apathy's a tragedy and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything all of the time. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. It is the first week of June, and to celebrate, we're going to be talking about Orlando City losing. Sad, sad, sad times. Hey, but as Orlando City sacrifices itself to the soccer gods, they have allowed the Orlando Pride to remain undefeated on the season. It's their best start since 2017. And that's going to be a fun time to talk about because their next game, very important for the early part of the season. But before we get into any of that, we do have a special interview that we're going to be playing halfway through the show. It is with former Orlando City star Dennis Chin. He has just started a new venture in his life. It is called uh, Chin, and that's C H. Y-N, Chin Sports. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what that's all about and who he's working with. Some pretty interesting names that uh, he does mention. And should be a, a fun time and a fun interview. But first, I would like to welcome in Kyle Foley, who is the only person joining me today, which means hashtag FireGavin and hashtag Fire Brad's air conditioning, because that is the reason that Brad is not here. Gavin is moving, so we'll give him a, a small pass, and then Brad's air conditioning, well, that, that can be fire right into the sun. Well, it will be, because we live in Florida, but I'm excited to be here. I also want to, uh, I guess, wish, I, I don't know what the right like phrase is, but happy Pride Month to to yes. anyone in our audience who, who identifies as a part of the LGBT um, plus community or to anyone who has has loved ones, or just, you know, is a decent human being and gives a shit about uh, people who are, are typically marginalized. And on behalf of the show, would like to say that we are extremely supportive of not only the Orlando Pride soccer team, but of the LGBT community, both here in Orlando and abroad. And we also don't put up with any of the bullshit against it. So... Shout out to those of you listening who are who are either part of that community or just helping be supportive or people like us who Austin and I as straight white dudes hopefully using our platform to help give some support to the marginalized out there. And then we're going to talk about some soccer as well, but I felt like it was important to to hit that because we're in the beginning of June, we're in the beginning of Pride Month and Wanted to, we wanted to put our support out there officially on behalf of on behalf of everyone. Right. As anyone knows who has listened to this show f- since, well, at any point in time, we are a pro-Pride podcast. And that's not just a soccer team. It just so happens that the Orlando Pride and the Orlando Pride are similarly named, but we support them both. And that's what matters. But first, we're going to talk about the bad. The big, fat, disgusting L that Orlando City took at New York Red Bulls, the scoreline made it look better than the game was. Uh, Orlando City came out flat. They played flat. They got outplayed by New York Red Bulls press, 
And I blame Gavin because on the podcast last week, he quite literally said that New York Red Bulls were not good. And I have that in writing and in audio form of him saying they are not good. Well, so 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 here's the thing. He's right. They're not good. They're still not good. They really weren't amazing over the weekend. They were they were obviously good enough. I think this last this last game was more of an example of Orlando being very short-handed and playing poor for for that game to only end 2-1 and honestly could have been 2-2 and maybe should have been 2-2. Had Vanderwater not done his best Carlos Rivas impersonation, I th- I think it would be a different like. If if we came away with a point from that, we would go, "Wow, I cannot believe we pulled that out because of how aw- like awfully shorthanded." Because how many people we've we're already missing several players. We're missing DK obviously, who who's still gone, which we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes. We had Nani, who's out suspended for illegitimate mm-hmm. reasons. We had Schlegel was out. We've mm-hmm. got um, who else is out? Pato Pato still out hurt. Yep. Who else am I missing? Huan Huan missing. So like <laughs> this is not a full strength Orlando team, and still coming away two one on the road is is really to me. It's what I talked about a couple weeks ago. Like I said, at some point Orlando is going to have to lose. At some point, and 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 I would have. Had it been a four nothing loss, I would be saying the exact same thing. This game tells us nothing. What is going to tell us something is what the team does bouncing back to this, because we've seen time after time again with Orlando City, including years where we've started off really well. Once that first loss comes, it can really snowball, and it can it can turn from one to all of a sudden it's you know you've got you know one point in five games, right? So mm-hmm. this is where we see and, and having a long break. What is it a? Uh, uh, 22 and a half weeks basically or two and a half yeah two and a half week long break where players are going to be able to come back healthy we're going to have dk coming back theoretically so a team that in in two and a half weeks will look much stronger will look much better will look much more uh, solidified than they did this last week and that's where we're going to see okay can this team get back to winning once they're healthy? Which is the question has been, can they win when they're not healthy? But then the question is going to be when they're healthy, are they going to be able to just come back from this? Like that loss didn't happen and continue to win from there. I think probably based on what we've seen, but we won't really know until we get to that point. I think it's, it's going to time will tell much like we've been talking about on this show. If Orlando city will, be as, as good as they are now uh, and this is one small setback I, I feel like they probably didn't take this game as seriously as they should have maybe because they had the break in their mind maybe because they had so many players out the Schlegel thing was a very last minute thing where he had to go back home to deal with his uh, family issues I can't I don't want to talk about it but basically you know one uh, one of his family members is sick that's that's all I'll say about it that was a very last-minute thing. So uh, Mikey Holiday gets his first MLS appearance on the road at New York Red Bulls. Played 45 minutes. Wasn't terrible. Was was definitely not terrible. But 
you know, had had some learning lessons. That first goal that New York Red Bulls scored was partially on him for not tracking the runner behind him. Caden Clark uh, ghosts back in the back post and uh, gets right past Holiday. Bit of a miscommunication with him and Antonio Carlos, and uh, they they strike first. And it was coming. You know, a lot of the pressure that Orlando was being put on, like the first 15, 20 minutes, they couldn't get out of their own half. And it, credit to Red Bulls. They played a great press. They were very active, and Orlando, they just couldn't con- they couldn't connect passes. As simple as that. I think you... Y- you kind of hit it on the head when you said they looked disinterested. I think that's a good way of, like, the the team did not look in this game, really. They had one step out the door to vacation. Right. And and to still walk away one nothing or I mean, only losing by a goal, I mean, sorry, is, is not, like, I think we all expected worse based on how that game started. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think and you also mentioned too. We keep saying like it's too early to tell. We've we've got to wait a bit. I I do think after the next three games, we will know for for sure is Orlando legit or not. I I don't. It, it won't be any more than these next three games. It's just going to be what happens when they come back. What get a nice little three game sample size after that, combined with what we've seen already, combined with what we saw last year in a in a very weird year and I think by that point we're going to know we're going to be sitting there in July and we're going to know is Orlando for real is Orlando a contender or or not and I again in a couple weeks they'll be getting a number of players back Nani's coming back Juan hopefully will be back Zhao will hopefully be fully healthy you'll get basically your entire back line will be healthy Pedro Galese may or may not be back depending if they play Copa America or not who knows at this point because they just took it away from Argentina, who's not hosting it anymore. They're going to host it in Brazil, which, if you look at the COVID numbers lately there, not better than Argentina. It, it also... Well, actually, it is, be- it is better than Argentina in a vacuum, but still not good. It, it also got announced that that wasn't actually officially confirmed. Like, it was announced, and then Brazilian officials are like, wait, but it's not, like, completely <laughs> confirmed. So, last I, last I saw, which was earlier this afternoon on Tuesday when we are recording... Was that like it's they confirmed it and then oh wait no maybe not actually but possibly but I if like Brazil's government is going to be willing to let it happen it's going to be up to Conmebol whether they actually continue with it but in terms of just having a host Brazil is <laughs> the way they've handled COVID uh, their their response to this is going to be yeah we're going to play this no matter what so as long as as long as Conmebol doesn't decide we're not having this then Copa America is still happening. Who knows? I mean, it's two weeks out from kickoff. <laughs> this this will not go well. Oh, absolutely not. It's possible that, but it's it's possible that team like James Rodriguez isn't going with Colombia, so it's very possible that Pedro Galese is just like, no, like I'll just stay here in Orlando with my family where it's safe. Thank you. I think it's also a little bit different for a player like James Rodriguez. I think you you kind of get more of that leeway to say no. Hmm. So I I I don't know I I also don't know if I would say no if I was Galese I feel like I would go play but I I mean obviously as an Orlando fan I'd I'd love for him to go like you know maybe not maybe I'll just stay here where it's safe and I could be healthy and be with my family and not have to worry about dealing with all this but I, I'm also not gonna blame him 
for going, it would be the most expected outcome, the most expected thing for him to do. Right. And now going back to the uh, everyone coming back thing, you also have potentially have Pata coming back. DK should be back. And we'll talk about him in a second because I want to actually spend some time on his whole situation. Then you also have hopefully Chris Mueller comes back mentally refreshed because he's, he's kind of got some stuff going on right now. Mauricio Pereira, he needs some time to get his body right. He hasn't been the same player he has been in the past. If everything goes as expected, and hopefully it does, it never does, but hopefully it does, this team will be very good. And the biggest thing right now is is they need some depth in terms of scoring. They need more players to step up to be able to score goals, and that was what they were successful with last year. This year it has been Nani and Tesho with a goal from Mauricio. And they need a little bit more variety and, and maybe a little bit more offensive punch because a lot of the games are... Well, I think we... You know, I think we the, the last two of three have been one nothing. Yeah, I think we saw this last week, though, that Vanderwater, who was who was, you know, brought in to help provide another option in the attack, has shown. Yeah, we, we talked about the game against Toronto where he had his he had a really close, you know, that that really wicked shot from outside that like a couple more feet to the right would have gone in. And we went, wow, this dude could be really, like, could be really threatening. And then goes and scores his first goal against New York. I think. Gives another option up front that that can help. I I don't think the question so much anymore is can can Orlando score goals without kind of their their star attacking players. I think it's just it's just how many more will they score when everybody's healthy? Right. And let's talk a little bit more about Vandervater because he came in and changed the game for Orlando against the Red Bulls. He was active. He was great with the ball. He looked like he was interested in the game. Unlike some of the other players, he scored, almost scored a second, which, I mean, we were joking in the uh, chat that we have that it would have made him a legend for Orlando City right off the bat if he had scored two goals in the span of two minutes to tie the game single-handedly, which, again, he almost did. Uh, I I was really impressed with him uh, just coming off the bench. I've talked to a lot of people. The, about him and they're all very high on him they think he's going to be the the future winger for Orlando City whether it be on the left or the right I think you saw a little bit of a glimpse of what it could be with Chris Muro on the left and Van der on the right I'm excited to see the future for this guy because he could be a very big piece of what Orlando City tries to do in the attack the problem is they need all the other players to step up DK comes back, you need him to be in form. It, Mueller needs to come back and, and get his head right a little bit. Um, and Mauricio as well. Once you have those firing on all cylinders, I don't think you're going to be losing too many games. The defense has shown that they can take care of themselves, even if you only score a goal. Last week was a little bit of a misnomer. But all things considered, this team has the potential to be very good but we'll wait and see when some of the other players and pieces come back to really see the true Orlando City of 2021. Yeah, I think I think what we're going to see is not can Orlando be good so much as it's going to be are 
are Orlando capable of making the playoffs or are they capable of competing for MLS Cup? Like, I, I don't think it's going to be that, the like, will they make the playoffs is going to be the debate. I think it's that's that that is the floor to me is making the playoffs. So the question is going to be, you know, from what we've seen now is is what I'm saying is the floor. Is that the ceiling, actually? Or is the ceiling, no, they're a legitimate contender. Maybe not a favorite, but are they at least a contender? Because I, I don't think there's any way Orlando City is a favorite for MLS Cup this year. Barring an unforeseen run of form and other teams that are good not being super great, I don't think Orlando's going to be one of those top two, three teams that people are considering a favorite, but I do think Orlando can be that fourth or fifth best team. Hmm. Which in Orlando City MLS history would be historic and would be incredible for all of us to witness. So I think I think that's what we'll see is just is is that how high can they go and no longer just, hey, can we squeak into the playoffs please and get lucky and win a penalty shootout and like and you actually hopefully get to see more and then the question that'll get answered over the next couple of weeks is how much more are we going to get from this team yeah i will say and i feel like people probably don't want to hear this but orlando city's technically never won a playoff game they've advanced but never won because have also te- that penalty have- that penalty uh shootout against nycfc doesn't technically count as a win this is this is very true um, but yeah, so maybe we'll get our first playoff win this year. Yeah. Official playoff win. Yes. Because again, they've advanced, but which is just still technically you know, it's winning, a, it's a, it's but... a moral victory. Anyways, uh, now we can talk about Daryl DK. Officially now he is coming home. Question mark. Orlando city announced on Tuesday that. Barnsley FC has elected not to exercise the purchase option of Daryl DK with his rights now returning to Orlando City as of Tuesday. He is currently with the national team, will play in a national team game for the U.S., and then return sometime in mid-June. The biggest question is, A, will he play? B, will he get sold? And C, Will they give him some time off if he does play? I, I I think yes, he'll play. I think even if he gets sold, he'll at least be here for. He's not getting sold on July first. I think it'll it'll be a little bit. So I think there's there's a short period of time at the very least. You know, even if he he leaves, where he'll still play. And I I don't know if they're going to give him a break. I think it depends on if he needs one, but I have a feeling I mean he, he's he's not been playing you know he's had kind of a little break over the last last week or two and will continue to sort of get a little bit of a break and it was with the national team now, but not you know, not killed himself like it was playing in a regular season or even playing in the playoff for uh, Barnsley mm-hmm. so I, I I think he plays uh, maybe not right away depending on when he gets back but I think he plays I, at least by that second game if if not the first I'd honestly I wouldn't be shocked if he plays at all in that first game back 
Mm. As long as he's back. As, like, it just depends on when he comes back. But I, I think he definitely plays, and I think he plays until he gets sold. If he gets sold, it's very possible he doesn't get sold. It's it's very possible he, he decides to finish out the year with Orlando and moves to Europe, you know, in January. Mm-hmm. If there's not a good enough option. I, I don't think he's just going to jump at whatever first opportunity comes. At least I would hope that he doesn't. And this isn't from a, from a fan of Orlando perspective. I hope he just, it's not a... Let's jump at the first team to give an opportunity and then not play. Like you look at when DeAndre Yedlin went over to Tottenham and it was all this like, oh, we've got a player from Seattle going over to Tottenham and then didn't play. And now he's in Turkey after a, a spell yeah. with Newcastle. Like that mm. didn't that didn't go as, as planned. Or when Zach Steffen goes over and goes to Manchester City and obviously – being the second keeper, the backup keeper at Manchester City is is very respectable. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're if you're DK, you want to go somewhere where you're going to play, or at least going to be in a position where your career is going to benefit, and you're not just getting brought in because you have potential, and they wanted to stop someone else from from obtaining right. that potential. So I I think the smarter move is to to finish out a season with MLS. See if you can replicate what you did the year before and what you did with Barnsley. And then from there, mm-hmm. you go to a team that, hey, it's January. Nobody's been scoring goals for them. They need someone to come in. Then you go over then, and, and I think it's it's probably a better – be going to be moving to a, a better situation for him, obviously, though. Right. Like, at the end I, – I, I, Go ahead. I was joking with somebody in the press box the other day where it's like, what if DK gets sold to a team – and part of that sale agreement is that he comes back to Orlando on loan for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean that's it's possible. It's not unheard of. I believe actually that that is what happened with with Yedlin. Correct. Yeah, it's happened with a, a number of players in the past, but it's definitely like yeah something that they could look at because again, I think they had a plan in place coming into the season with Pato and all the players that they've had at forward because you have Mateus Ayas who hasn't played. Tesho has been playing 90 minutes, which is kind of ridiculous because I don't think he's a 90-minute player anymore. I think that it was a stopgap because they planned on having DK here this year. I think they still need a a bit of time to figure out what's the team going to look like after DK, if that's the case. Here's the issue that's going to come up. There's going to be two different minds of what to do with Daryl DK. One is going to be the ownership that is current, and one that is the future ownership of Orlando City, because I'm sure that both sides have different opinions on what to do. Yeah, I think part of the other thing is, I don't think he's reached his maximum value as a as a as an as a selling asset for Orlando City. Mm-hmm. I, I think had Barnsley been promoted or made it to the the promotion playoff final. And he had led them there, right? But he came. He he didn't start in the second leg. Didn't you know give them a commanding lead? And it's like he you know in the first leg he he scored a brace and put him put him in the lead for it or whatever or you know came on in the playoff final and almost led them to victory. You know what I mean? If you have one of those big kind of theatrical moments, then I think I think the hype more often than not tends to get players like that more opportunities but because Mm -hmm. his time over there kind of fizzled out i think a lot of the hype because the hype that was around him was just because he was scoring so often he scored a a couple weeks in a row 
And so everyone was talking about him. As soon as he stopped doing that, nobody's talking about him anymore. And I think it's it's a, a very common thing where players will get hyped up for things. And not that I don't think he has the, the skill or the ability to play over in Europe. I just think once you're no longer the one in the spotlight, it's very easy to that value and that hype goes back down. And so mm-hmm. I think that's part of why I think it benefits him to come back and keep playing in MLS for the, for the rest of the year and show like that he could replicate what he's done before and can continue to do it. And it wasn't just a flash in the pan with Barnsley. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. not just like, a, oh, you know, did well for a little bit and then it dropped off. But show, can you sustain being being a threat? Because if you do it really well for a while and then you kind of fade out when the team, you know, when the season is on the line, you go, okay, well, maybe is is this the guy that we want? Can he do what we want him to do? I think talent wise, absolutely. But, but so I think, I think part of it is that I think the other thing is uh, you mentioned with the ownership change, which I hadn't even thought of. I think it's less likely we see players getting sold because I think it's very unlikely you see new players getting brought in until there's new ownership. And I don't think we're going to have new ownership in time during the summer transfer period to be able to, to Mm -hmm. be able to replace him. So that that's another reason why I think it might be something that waits where it's like, we just, you don't want to buy or sell players in the midst of an ownership transition. So I, I I think that that's another potential, unless a team comes in with an outrageous offer. I I don't see him going now, but I, I, I can't see why he would still be here after January. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very possible that new ownership has a player in mind that they'd like to bring in and, they're already starting to work on it and as soon as they take over it's like boom here's our player we don't know but the the fact of the matter is two different ownerships have two different ideas of what to do and i'm sure that the new ownership will have a say in what the ownership the old ownership will do and i don't think they're going to have anything set in stone until that ownership is changed over so i think that is probably why DK will be here at least for a month uh, or two until the ownership is officially official in terms of the changeover. All right, last thing for Orlando City, and it's not really Orlando City. It's just a player that was here for a couple weeks, Jonathan Suarez. He was arrested and charged for sexual assault. And as of last week, the charges were dropped. However, Kyle, would you like to preface that Charges dropped, ruling with something. So just because charges are dropped does not mean someone has been exonerated or proven that they did not do something. This is correct. And just because somebody may not have been criminally charged or convicted of something does not make them any less shitty. And so to throw a parade and go, ha ha ha, he's innocent, he didn't do it, in the eyes of the law, sure. In the eyes of the evidence that was released publicly and that was in the news when this happened, miss me with that. We ain't defending that. We're not about that here. Dude dude fucked up. Big time. And like legitimately, all all he had to do was sit at home and not Just don't just don't don't abuse women. You know? shouldn't be that that should be pretty obvious shouldn't be that difficult to do and that's one of the few things we don't get the benefit of the doubt of like oh well you know he maybe didn't mean to and no you get out of here with that 
yeah I, I i i think the fact that he was continuing to post on social media like nothing ever happened like upset me in a way where it's like dude are you not even acknowledging that something happened and then like the whole fact that the judge let him go to mexico instead of staying here and waiting for an arraignment i don't know a lot of it was just kind of rubbing me the wrong way but he is no longer an orlando city player he is uh not orlando city related anymore that's all for orlando city now on to the good the orlando pride and this time we mean the team the orlando pride are undefeated the orlando pride won one nothing against kansas city and the Orlando Pride had a clean sheet for the first time since 2019, by the way. It was a good day for the Pride this past weekend. And not only that, not only did they win, but Marta scored. Marta scored her first goal of the season. And that was uh, a bit of a contentious goal. The goal that transpired was off a corner. Courtney Peterson put it in. Alex Morgan heads it towards goal. It's going towards goal. Marta gets a little bit of a flick on. And Abby Smith, the Kansas City goalkeeper, gets a palm on it as it's crossing the line. Now, there have been a multitude of videos that have been released showing different angles. Nothing that is on the actual goal line. The only thing that was on the goal line was the assistant referee who put their flag up immediately. Waving it around saying, goal, 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 goal. And so the center referee gave it as a goal. Kansas City fans are, once again, mad online for a video that came out uh, from a fan perspective right at the corner flag where the corner was being taken. The issue with the video is that it's about two yards away from being level with the end line. And so from that angle, it looks like the ball didn't cross fully. However, the best angle that anybody had was the assistant referee. And there's no other video otherwise. There's no goalpost cams. There's no goal line technology in NWSL. So you have to go with the referee at this point. Now, this could be an argument for better goal line technology in NWSL, much like MLS has. But it's expensive. Now, Kyle, I want to ask you, how much do you feel... Goal line technology is needed in today's game, not just the women's game, but today's game in general. I I am a huge proponent of technology in sports. So the fact that we're not using that in in certain leagues, in the same way that I also think VAR is necessary, although maybe not in the way it's implemented. Like I don't love the way it's implemented all the time, but the concept of it I think is really important because the referees on the field cannot see every square inch of the field at every moment in time. So I think at some point you have to use technology. So yeah, absolutely. Goal line technology should be available. I think, I think video assisted referees should be, should be available. I think, and and we can have discussions about how they're implemented, but I think there, there's so much that you can do technology wise to make sure that you don't get those decisions wrong that that should all be used <laughs> there's 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 no reason for that not to be used i absolutely agree and it would probably lead to a lot less headaches when it comes to situations like this where it was literally 
inches from being a goal or not a goal. Well, it's also important to note that it was absolutely a goal because, you know, as everyone knows on the Orlando Soccer Show, formerly known as the fourth official, we are very supportive of referees. We have, we have never once criticized a referee because referees are always correct and always right. And in this case, again, they were right again. And Orlando deserved the goal. And I didn't even <laughs> watch the, the questionable video. So I couldn't tell you. I just know that the referees are never wrong. Fans are always wrong. When you combine those two things together, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that Orlando scored. Kyle, how did you get through that entire ramble without popping a blood vessel? I actually popped six. Oh God. Yes. Um as much as referees are right, they're also wrong. And I think anyone can agree with that. Sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. They are human. That is that is the most di- diplomatic, like, I love both of my kids answer uh, that, <laughs> that could ever be given. But uh, yes, obviously, referees are not always right. But when it benefits the teams that I support, they are correct. VAR is great unless it goes against the teams I like. That is, and then it's wrong. That is, and then it should be abolished. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, the biggest thing, like I said, shut out against Kansas City, who, by the way, zero shots on goal can't remember the last time that has happened for a team facing the orlando pride but it just goes to show you how good the defense has been you had ali riley and courtney peterson as the fullbacks you had ali krieger and phoebe mcclernan as center backs all four of those players excellent job the midfield did great marissa vigiano and gunny yon's daughter uh, Marta was tracking back and defending. Alex Morgan was tracking back and defending. Sydney LaRue was tracking back and defending. You had everybody in the Orlando Pride lineup tracking back to defend. And seeing something actually happen. You know, we, we've joked on this show about Mark Skinner and his art. And I think a lot of people have joked about Mark Skinner and his art. But you're starting to finally see a picture being painted out on the pitch it's slow it's coming together it's starting to look pretty good but it's just nice to see that a paintbrush is being put on the canvas and something nice is coming out of it instead of someone literally tossing a paint can at a canvas and calling it art because that was basically 2019 but now it's taking shape the painting is starting to look a lot more defined starting to actually have results being shown the biggest question is, will the artist finish their painting as the season progresses, or will someone come and dump another bucket of paint on it and ruin it? I just want to say I really appreciate your commitment to the art-paint metaphor there. Listen, if you follow the Orlando Soccer Show account, we have been very heavily leaning into the art aspect of Pride, and I think that's fun. It's a good time and just to have fun with that kind of one-liner that was just kind of nonchalantly tossed out there during one of his press conferences. It's called you know, Orlando Very, Pride. very casually just tra- tossed out. And, you know, he talked about making art. And everyone has stuck to that since. Hey, it's called Orlando but, Pride Soccer, and it's art. Yes, it is art. But I kind of went through that whole tangent of the artist and his painting, and I, I stick by that. I think that was a very nice uh, way of putting it. So I'm happy with it. Anyways, the artist and his team and his canvas 
Uh, we'll be coming up against the number two team in the NWSL standings. Of course, the number one team is the Orlando Pride. The number two team is the Washington Spirit, who they have already played now twice before. They, they've been pretty good with it. I think that the Washington Spirit are a good team. I think the Orlando Pride are also a good team. The last time these two teams faced each other, it was a 1-1 draw. The game before that in the Challenge Cup, it was a 1-0 win for the Pride. This time, is going to be in D.C. At Audi Field. This is going to be a very tough game for Orlando simply because it's on the road. But also because Washington's pretty good. This will also be, I believe, the last game for Alex Morgan before she goes on international duty. So, take advantage of her goal-scoring form while you can. Because if they win this game, then they'll be six points clear of second place, heading into a game against Gotham and then Kansas City again. And between this game on this weekend and the game on the 20th, you'll have about a week and a half off. So this game is much like Orlando City and their game against the Red Bulls heading into a break. You got to have the right mentality coming into this if you're the pride. You can't take this lightly thinking, hey, we got one foot out the door. We're ready to go on vacation for a couple of weeks. You got to come into this game and have the right mental attitude. And I'm sure Mark Skinner is going to preach the exact same thing uh, during his team talks over the course of this week. But again, this is the last game for the Pride until June 20th when they will play Gotham FC at home in Orlando. And then they go up to Kansas City three days later. And then they play Houston in Houston three days after that. So very big stretch right as they come back, much like it is for Orlando City, who also play uh, three games in the course of eight days when they come back. So with that, that is all I have to say for the Orlando Pride. Now we will go into our interview with Dennis Chin. Uh, once again, we appreciate him coming on and talking to us about just his career path in general and everything that he's currently going through and what he's planning to do with his new business venture. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So joining us now, one of the legends of the Orlando soccer scene, uh, he played at Rollins, he's played at Orlando City, he's played all over the world, and now he's starting his own company. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Dennis Chin. Chinny, how's it going? Good, I'm good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. So um, let's let's take it back with you like a year ago. At that point, you were still playing for the Richmond Kickers, and season ends, pandemic happens, you go through a year of kind of trying to figure things out. What's going through your head after that kicker's season, as you kind of go into your next phase of your career? So obviously, usually you just, you're just thinking about the next place to play. Cause you know, in, uh, I always say when you're, when you get into this world, you have to be very focused on like your goals as a player. And sometimes you lose focus on everything else, but once you start focusing too much off the field, it kind of, you know, messes with your sharpness on the field so at that time i was thinking all right where is the best place uh, i thought like i have so much more to give on the field 
and the pandemic is happening and I was supposed to be going to China and all the kind of stuff was going on into my head. And then I just used, started using the time, you know, speak to uh, Becky at the time, my fiance, and uh, just to see what the best path was uh, after. It was like, what should I, you know, what should we do after if, if, if nothing comes from this? Uh, and I, at the time I was an assistant, uh, player coach uh, at the Richmond Kickers. So I explored that aspect of coaching for a bit. Uh, I decided to take uh, to help out with uh, UPSL team OFC Barca uh, as a player coach for that. So I've always always been um, kind of obsessed with the, the, the technical aspect of the game, the, the training. And, and I, I love that aspect. But then then I was like, I didn't want to be a coach because my thing was I want I love I want people to like me. Not, not in a bad, not in a way like, you know, just sucking up to people, but I, I want to help so, a lot of people and I'm always close to many coaches and I'm always close to many players. So I'm like, how do I, I, I put this together? And that was in my head. I was like, what, what where do I fit? She said, is it, is it an assistant coach? Maybe a GM. And I just, so I started really calling around, um, talked to James O'Connor, you know, he's at Louisville, I talked to uh, different people around the MLS and talk to different players that are already uh, retired and, you know, talk to Ant Pulis, you know, he's at into Miami and, and just, they were just, everyone giving me a little feedback and what to expect if you do decide to stop playing. And, and you know, and, uh, one of the biggest influence for me was Julian de Guzman. Uh, he had a great career with Canada and was very well kept and he transitioned right after into a, a role with Ottawa Fury as a GM and coach. And, and he was at a time looking into ownership and he gave me a lot of insights into, you know, all that stuff. And, and throughout that whole time, my agent, uh, who's in the marketing, uh, he's a great agent. Uh, he did so much for me. Uh, he was always trying to recruit me into the dark side. You know, call, we call it the dark side, the agency world, right? So, so then he, he always thought I had good qualities and we, we always looked at players together and, you know, and I say, cause I always knew where they, everyone fit. That was like my, my gift is to see, all right, what skills and talents, Put, put together to get to the new, to the next level, and and uh, and yeah. So that recruitment started, and he was like, "Oh, maybe you should just be an agent. Maybe you should be an agent." So that's when I really started taking, you know, it into mind, and uh, and then coming up to this year, when I when I when I realized like, hmm, maybe this, you know, from speaking to everyone, maybe this would be something that I actually could be good at, and actually could help people. That's when I started really thinking about how would it look if I did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't want to do it just like everyone else because obviously, as a background of a player, I know what the player goes through. I know what the player kind of needs in a spec because I look at it like I might have needed this, but some other player might have needed something else, and and I just try to start asking around and seeing you know how it is, and that's what started this whole thing about a community, right? At first, it was just just started off being guys training together and talking about like different clubs they're gonna think about and different coaches and where it sucks and where it doesn't suck and, and that kind of input kind of builds into this and then I was like, all right, well, I have a, a good background, you know, I went to Rollins as well, so I was like, what can I do to to be that that like a senior figure to help these guys, you know, in a in a more professional way, and that's when the chin thing kind of started developing. 
so now like you, you talked about your your kind of your team and like just talking with different people and i mean your your team with this new chin sports thing that you just announced today uh it includes people that you know giuseppe gentile who you played with back in in 2014 he's you know he's been around uh you know a multiple different kind of uh leagues and and different levels of professional soccer you got guys like skylar russell who's a local kid uh went to rollins you know worked for orlando city Uh, just talk a little bit about how kind of how you put your your team together just kind of thinking about who fits in what role all right so yeah so i like at first the whole whole plan was like could i do this on my own (laughs) it's like you know what i mean and then because I, I was like i didn't want to disappoint anyone i didn't want to come in and say oh i can pay you this or i can do that you know what i mean so so that was my 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 vision at the start so i'm gonna have the support of the community and everyone else my family and um and go from there and as i started like thinking on the mindset i started getting uh different people saying, hey, you should look at this guy. Hey, you should look at this guy. Because I, I, I was networking, I was talking to people. And my dad came on and said, hey, you, if you're really looking at me, you needed someone with, with experience in contracts and the legal side. And I was like, because you should look at Skylar. I was like, oh, <laughs> Skylar, I know Skylar. And I remember, you know, obviously he went to Rollins as well. So I knew he was interested in being in sports. And obviously, he just he graduated from Stetson Law. He went to get an MBA from Crumber at Rollins, and you know, he very, very well educated, like great guy. And he, basically, most importantly, he knew soccer. You know, he, he played at a high level, so he knew what it was. So when I talked to him and I, I spoke to him about the vision of what we were trying to do, he was so excited that I was like, oh. Join him up, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever I can do to bring him on board. And then, so that's how that one started. When it comes to uh, Giuseppe, um, obviously we played together in Orlando City in 2014. He was one of those guys drafted the MLS. He did a, some time there. But after when he came to 2014, I was now into like almost veteran mode, right? I was like four or five years playing professionally and he was like a rookie. So I kind of took him under my wing a bit and his move to San Antonio is because I spoke to, at the time, Alan Marcino, who's now the coach of San Antonio Ken, <laughs> uh, now, and told him about Giuseppe, and he ended up going there with the NASL title. So we've always been kept in touch, and then he ended up signing with my agent, and he ended up coming to Otto before I went to Israel, and we've always just kept in touch. So, And he's been in Switzerland this whole time, and he's been doing great things on the, the brand management side of, of football, like managing big Instagram pages to 1 million followers and stuff like that. And I thought that it would be like great to bring in a guy that could handle brands. You know, you know, a lot of things in football right now and sports and just the world is certainly social media. And I'm just not that big on social media. Obviously my brother is Jamie, he's been, <laughs> is, 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 is an expert at that kind of stuff, but I know he's busy with Chicago Fire. He's not gonna be this helping me every time. So I knew it was good to bring in someone with some expertise there. So then uh, um, it, uh, Alexis, the, my, my head of recruitment, uh, I actually met him because we, I used to run training sessions and I run sometimes training sessions uh, in Windermere. And he always had this, he had a club called Maralex and, uh, and I always saw him there and we started talking. And it turns out that he played in Spain and he actually played for OC Blues in the old USL. So 
So I was like, oh, wait, that's good. He's a young guy. And then we started talking about his connections in Spain and how he's been doing this and bringing players here and there. And then we just got along in so many things. And this is before Chin even came about and everything. And so for months, we just talked about football and that's us and we just kept it really simple and when this time came and i was like all right i had a player that was very interested in going to spain and he was so good at helping with that uh that i was like hey do you, would you be interested in you know considering joining this he's very interested and excited so <laughs> so then we drawn him or him in the team and and then all us four together just been kind of putting things together ever since and good players coming out of the woodworks and we but the main thing we're thinking of obviously is is like the biggest thing is the community right and we're talking about it's a change of why and it's to learn your why which is why you get up every day to do what you do why you play soccer you know they a lot of a lot of players are their identity is just built in being a player and being a soccer and that was me at one point right so if something goes bad on the field all you think about is wow i can't play anymore i'm a waste of space kind of thing well is well if you knew if you know exactly why you're playing and you know what the goals are and maybe it's for your family maybe it's just for money it doesn't matter if you know you know and it's easier to to, to live a happier life when you know the plan and when something goes wrong, where you can bounce back. So that was our biggest thing. So to do that, we, you have to work with the right people. So yeah, we, our thing is just not to just take every player. We, you know, if we don't think we can help, I'm very honest. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you're not for us. You know what I mean? We can help. You can be part of the community. Maybe if you need uh, networking, maybe you need to talk to a player that, you know, you've been hurt and this player is from the same country as you and he can give you, you know, some some help, then yes. But like, it's not just this, like, you know, it's like bring a guy here, take a guy here, just a factory. We try to keep it very personal. Every single player, every single coach, every single, you know, everyone's a friend you know everyone we, we keep close and connected so if i can't talk to you every day <laughs> then you probably shouldn't be in, in, involved in it because that's how it is it's pretty close and and uh and things pop up all the time obviously and we just want to be there for everyone yeah and it sounds like everything just happened like very organically we talked a, a couple weeks ago just about how you having gone through the whole what am i going to do after playing situation lends to this whole thing starting because you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do and now other players they're in the same boat as you and there's a there's a need for that happening it just kind of organically brings it a, a unique kind of perspective to the whole thing and looking at some of the players and the the uh the clients that you now have on your roster you have range of different players and even former players and guys who are going into management talk about kind of the current clientele and just how you've kind of built that and, and continue to hopefully continue to build that. So, yeah. So obviously at first I, I had a huge advantage on a lot of people that's coming into the same field, just being a player. Uh, biggest advantage also is that while being a player, I was very, very good with like connecting people together while I was being a player in a locker room. I was always a locker room guy. I was always mm -hmm. the guy that like got along with everyone. So, 
and and would go out of my way to help the younger guys, right? So I've al- I always had that going for me. So when I was reaching out to see how people would feel about joining something like that, it first person one of the first person I reached out to was Adama. You know what I mean? Obviously, Adama I played with three, four years at Orlando City and he ended up playing in a World Cup <laughs> with Senegal. And he had a, he's had a great career so far and he's still young. And and that was one of the, uh, we've always kept in touch. And I reached out to him and he had this, you know, he always wanted to come back to the US and play again and, you know, just show him what he can do. And, and, and I said, hey, I think I can help you with that. And then he, he was just all in. And then another player, uh, it was Lawrence Olam, another Orlando City guy. Lawrence actually, obviously he's a bit older than me. He retired just this year. And when I studied at Orlando City, he was my mentor. <laughs> mm-hmm. so he was the guy who helped me like kind of transition in. So throughout that time of my career, I've always tried to repay that back to him. Whether And he ended up signing with my agent through me. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. you got to use my agent because he's a great uh, guy. So when he was done at, uh, with his playing career now, and he's like, hey, I'm this is what I'm doing and imagine I, I just I talked to him and I said what are your goals you know what are you trying to do where do you see yourself and you know what I mean I was like what, what can I do and and that's how that started and he's like hey I'm he, he's like anything you want I'm all in and I'm like all right this is a good player to be, I'll be all in he's won MLS Cup US Open Cup USL champ he's won everything as a player you know even a Malaysian Premier League like mm-hmm. I don't even know he was over there so 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 then so then you get two senior internationals you know like that already and then I already had young players like uh Riley Kraft he's a he's a fantastic player that played at OCB as well. I think just like Joe Gallardo, what ended up, he's at Liga MX. I think he's one of those players that is literally flying under the radar in US soccer and is kind of poised for big things. You got a picture of that at uh, Richmond last year when he was there. Um, He has a very, very, very high ceiling. Obviously, he's a US U19 youth international. So, So I've always have that had him like as a lot younger brother with me and so when that time came he was ready to, to jump in and we think we can he's a very good player that could have a very long career um the swiss guys <laughs> so you see some swiss guys on the mm-hmm. team a lot of those obviously was through giuseppe giuseppe's over there in switzerland and uh and and he would say, hey, what about this guy? And I'm like, ah, but how is he as a guy person? <laughs> like, that was always my thing. I was like, yeah, his CV looks great, you know. Um, you know, and then so I started talking to Jordan Jelly. And that's a guy that, that, that like a lot of other guys, has been kind of falling on, under the radar. He, right now, he's in the Swiss Promotion League. He has 13 goals and 15 appearances this this just this half of the season he's six foot four 200 pounds built it's like lukaku fast everything so i feel like this is a guy that like i know because i've watched enough through scouting videos and and talked to him personally that has a lot to give and the goalkeeper uh john john he's he's uh already signed to a Swiss club right now in first division. He was at Basel when they played Manchester United in the Champions League. He was on the bench for that. Like that's a kid who has who has some DNA in the in, in Champions League, etc. And he's only 23. And and um 
So when he looked, came to me and he's like, hey, Giuseppe spoke to highly of you, da, 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 what can we do? And I, I've been speaking to him for over a few weeks and yeah, that's like, you know, that was a no brainer, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so a lot of scenarios like that, there's guys that are not listed here that uh, we'd work with as well, you know what I mean? Obviously guys that I play with that you know, but I can't really say out loud mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so a lot of it just kind of, you know, we have some young guys as well, like young guys that are looking for their professional careers to start. The two Gabrielles that are at Tormenta 2 right now, they're phew, such good talents and I've seen them personally. And when I was like, oh, I got to, my thing is like, yes, it's great to help the guys that already have careers, right? But what about the guys that are trying to break in? To like first get through through that that mm-hmm. that stuff and and those are two guys that I really believe in hence why they're so prominent on everything else compared to any other younger players that we have and uh, so what really just you know obviously we try to get an eclectic group of foreign players that are from you know Africa but you know South America is just we're trying to build like a very rounded community uh, so I think you know to start i think that's a good 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 group to start obviously we have some really interested and top level senior players like pa- pablo ganet he's equatorian guinea international that's from spain and yeah some top players so i was we, we're just fortunate to be involved with such good players and uh hopefully we can we can give everyone a chance to have a career that they deserve yeah and and you know when I was talking with you about it uh, a while ago, you know, you were talking about kind of the unique thing of not only being a, a former player, but having former players with you. But I, the one unique thing that I think you guys are trying to do now is is actually going through film with guys. You know, you're not just you're not just there saying here's where you should do, here's what you should do, but you're actually like the guys that are playing. You'll sit down and go through film with them, and I know that's kind of the coaching aspect that you liked, not necessarily all of coaching, but you're a film guy. You like to, to pick through film and, and you notice things uh, that maybe some other people wouldn't notice. Yeah, exactly. So that that's huge for me because I know as a player, I hated it watching myself unless mm-hmm. I played good. <laughs> so <laughs> if I didn't play good, I'm like, I'm not watching that tape. But as I got old, I realized the, the benefits for it, of it, right? And, uh, and I know some of these younger guys don't realize the benefits as much yet i know i don't see as much as like say pepsi's when he sees the game (laughs) but i I see i've I've learned a lot from some great coaches and um and um some great influences uh in the game that i can i I, what i see is how to help through um not only a tactical side because tactical side is developed based on what team you're in right Mm -hmm. but but every player has their style of play in themselves like you can't really teach you know you're not going to tell ronaldo to 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 sit in the midfield and just chill and just spray balls right like that's mm-hmm. not his style of play and then and, and i feel like as a young player sometimes too they don't know their style of plays they've just been playing off talent they've just been playing football right so to have careers you have to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and people always said oh work on your strengths and weaknesses but it really is just figuring it out. <laughs> a lot of people think they have a strength where they technically don't, and they think they have a weakness where they technically don't. So f- figuring that out is key first. And, and then looking through that film, you'll see where the, the, the correct spaces for you to exploit 
part. If you're a striker, if you're good holding up the ball, you can't just be sitting in there, sitting there the whole time because people just step in front of you. You mm-hmm. got to know their timing on when to get in those pockets. If you're good at running behind, when to time those runs. You know what I mean? And if you're a defender, where are you getting beat? You know, are you anticipating the ball well? Are you, you know, you, you know, you're in the wrong channels. Like, you know, as a goalkeeper, are you just getting set too late? Like, it, these things are very important. And um, and and the coaches in the clubs don't have don't have uh, time to always go through this with the, with every single player. You have a mm-hmm. roster, you have games to win, so let's, all those things matters, and and that's where we can come in and help. And uh, and we can we'll work with the coaches at first. So if I, I I'm gonna talk to your coach and be like, hey, what is he struggling with? And he said, hey. He thinks he's better than he is. It is. He should probably work <laughs> on this. And I'll just go back to a player and say, "Yo, I, this is what your coach is even telling me." So, and this is what I'm seeing as well. So, this might be somewhere, to, and it comes out better because I know how to speak to them. Right? They, they know I have their best interest in mind, and I'm not just one of the man in the organization. You know. So, uh, so yeah, that's been a, a big thing we want to to really implement. You know what I mean? So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I you've given me the entire full kind of rundown of everything, but is there anything that you want to mention about it and, you know, what, what the future plans are for this? Well, yeah, um, obviously, like, the main thing, like, we keep stressing is, like, a community. So, um, so moving forward, if there's any, like, we're trying to be able to help people in need, you know, whether they're retired and, you know, and as for some people, they just want to be involved in football in any way possible. So if you're willing to, you know, talk to a player and, you know, help them out, like, you know, players might have interest off the field, right? I have players that are interested in, in real estate or studying psychology and stuff like that. So it doesn't have to be something necessarily in sport. And so we're always looking to, to, to connect people and get people together based on shared interests and, you know, and just people shouldn't re- be afraid to reach out and, you know, seeing what, what can be done. So that's, that's the biggest thing for, for us. Cause like my thing is to give everyone a, to be a little bit more reliant on their own network. So it's not just always through me, you know what I mean? So I don't want to be this like, I have Sauron where I'm just like, just, <laughs> just, just like looking and guiding everybody over like I'm some God. But no, I just want to be able to like say, hey, like you guys can talk and you can have your own relationship there without me too. So, um, so yeah, I think that's very important. Definitely a unique approach to the business because the business is, it's very cutthroat and always kind of cut and dry. And you're, you're taking the personal approach to it. So I think that's going to be very unique and it's hopefully going to explode and become very successful. So, Jenny, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, best of luck to you and uh, we'll see you around sometime soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. And that was our interview with Dennis Chin. Once again, we appreciate him coming on and talking to us about everything that he is planning on doing. Uh, you heard him mention some names that you may be familiar with if you're an old school Orlando City fan. And some players that are, you know, some up-and-comers that you may want to watch out for. And then there's one player that he mentioned, and I'm glad he mentioned it because uh, I wasn't sure if I could talk about it or not. But now that he's mentioned it, I certainly can. Adama Mbenge wants to come back to MLS. I think that's going to be very interesting. 
Adama, uh, for those who didn't follow Orlando City back in the old USL days, he was a SEMA product, came through the Orlando City Academy, played for the U23s, signed with Orlando City, and he was going to be one of the first MLS players signed outside of Kevin Molino. And then contract negotiations happened. He wanted money. Team didn't want to give him money. And so he decided to go. He left Orlando City after the 2014 season. He went back to Africa in Senegal and played for Diambars for three years. And then he got found by a French team, Cayenne, in 2017. They brought him in. They signed him up as a left back. Remember, he was a left wing in Orlando City. And they brought him in as a left back. And not only did he thrive at Cayenne, but he thrived so much that Senegal called him up for their national team and for when they were in the World Cup. So Adama Mbenge, who started his professional career at Orlando City, played in a World Cup. I believe he's only one of the only players who has come from the Orlando City Academy or the Orlando City youth development side that has played in a World Cup. There you go. Uh, but the reason he wants to come back to the U.S. is uh, Cayenne just got relegated for the second consecutive season, so they went from Ligue 1 to now Ligue 3, which is Ligue 3. Doesn't make much sense staying with a third division team. So there you go. I think it's going to be interesting, though, because, hey, Orlando City could use a left back. I don't know if he'd want to come back to Orlando City, but it's out there. Just saying. And Orlando City probably hold his MLS rights. They could get a little bit of money for that. Anyways. What did you make of Dennis Chin's interview, Kyle? I thought it was really interesting. I think I'm really looking forward to see what they do. I think his his whole concept of, of kind of calling it a community and and having it be more community based, I think is gonna be really interesting. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how he can balance that those friendships that he mentioned. You know, he wants to work with people that he's friends with. It's gonna be interesting to see how that gets balanced between the friendships and the business side, but I thought it was really good. I think he's he he is clearly very passionate about it. I had several mm-hmm. questions that I was going to ask, and <laughs> as I was like preparing to ask them, he would then go on and answer them. So it sounds like he's really, you know, before I even asked. So he's he's really thought through his stuff. He seems to be really excited about this and and really prepared for it. So I think it's going to be interesting. And obviously, we're always supportive of any soccer endeavors here in Orlando, um, whether it's former players, whether it's just local college teams or whatever We're very supportive of that so i think it'll be really interesting to see how it works out i hope it works out for them uh and and hopefully who knows you know we'll have them back on in the future and kind of get an update and see where that's all at absolutely all right well let's talk about the last couple things we have on the show then we'll go into our weird news and red cards should be pretty quick the oc academy 23s play today being wednesday one of their last couple games of the season against Leg AZ International at Osceola Heritage Park. Kickoff is at 8 o'clock, and you can tune into the game live on mykuju.tv. Then, speaking of other games that are being broadcast on mykuju.tv, the NPSL's Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers, they won this past weekend 3-2-1, thanks to two goals from a 17-year-old Orlando City Academy product, Charles All. He played ECNL for Orlando City, and is now a commit to Stetson University. 
Uh, he scored the first two goals, and then Rollins College product Cole Ciccone scored the third. Uh, another Orlando City Academy product who is playing incredibly well for the Panthers to this point uh, is Carlos Melendez. He is a goalkeeper who came up with the academy. He is now at the University of North Florida. He's He's been incredibly good. He had seven saves his first game and eight saves his second game. You know, this year he is going to be a senior. So definitely good looks to, to have some good performances on a uh, somewhat decent stage. So Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers, they play just two more home games. That's it. They have played, as of right now, in four games. And they only play a 10-game season. So, they will be playing this weekend at home. And instead of being at Winter Park High School, they will be playing at Lake Howell High School. So, if you want to go out and support the team, you will have to go out there. They'll be playing Boca Raton FC, kickoff at 630 And now, the last thing we want to talk about when it comes to soccer, Inter-Miami. Boy, what a week they have had. Not only did they lose to DC United 3-0, but they also were found guilty of basically cheating. And it wasn't just, oh, you know, they they cheated a little bit. No, they, they were blatantly cheating to the point where MLS actually had to do something. Sometimes teams will cheat and it's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's just LA Galaxy doing their thing. But this time, no, it's, it's actually, you fucked up bad. Here is the rundown of basically what happened. So because of the Blaze Matuidi issue of him signing with Inter Miami, uh, there were sanctions given. $2 $2 million fined to Inter Miami. $250,000 fined to their owner, Jorge Mas. Paul McDonough, former Orlando City general manager, as well as Atlanta United general manager, was suspended through the end of the 2022 season for basically dealing under the table and giving incentives to players to come to his teams without actually going through MLS regulations. Which brings up questions about Atlanta United and their first championship season because I've heard some people talking saying that they probably did what uh, that Miami did in bringing in a guy like Leandro Gonzalez Perez because um, he was part of that whole thing and he probably should have been a DP for the money that he was getting so you know if MLS really looks into that and they really actually put sanctions on Atlanta, they could revoke that 2019 championship or the 2018 championship, whatever year they won it. Definitely uh, something to, to look into in the future. Anyways, uh, so Paul McDonough got fired by Atlanta United right after that because it doesn't make sense to have a director of soccer operations who can't work for two years. So they just fired him. Um, they also had a reduction of allocation money. So they had $2.2 million reduced for the 2022-2023 season. That is all TAM and GAM combined, I believe. So next year, 
Actually, it's not even next year. It's the year after next that we'll be uh, without some money to sign some players. So uh, that's not it, though. MLS also found that Andres Reyes, who was one of uh, Miami's center back signings, was also supposed to be a designated player. So not only did they have four DPs, including Blaise Matuidi, but they also should have had five with Andres Reyes. So in a roundabout way, Inter-Miami had five designated players, but still finished 10th in the Eastern Conference and lost to Nashville in the play-in round for the playoffs. 3-0. It's one thing to cheat, but then it's another if you cheat so bad that it doesn't make you better. It is hysterical to me that they cheated and couldn't win. That is that is the best, most Miami thing ever. And I I love it. I you love to see it. Yeah, you really do. Especially if you're, you know, here in Orlando. You truly do love to see it. All right. The last thing that we will talk about is our weird news and red cards. So Kyle, since you are the only other person here, <laughs> do you have any good <laughs> weird news this week? Oh, I do. One John Hinckley Jr., famous for shooting Ronald Reagan in an attempt to woo actress Jodie Foster, now performs love songs on YouTube. That's right. John Hinckley Jr. tried to kill former President Ronald Reagan 40 years ago, now posts videos of himself performing love songs and other tunes on his YouTube channel. It That is... It sounds like an old white dude singing. Not the best, not the worst, but that is definitely weird. Yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. I, it's good for him. I, I don't know how to react to that. Well, anyways, um, here's my weird news. An Italian artist has sold an invisible sculpture for real money. Uh, the sculpture titled I Am doesn't actually exist except in the artist's imagination, but there was a buyer that he somehow convinced to spend $18,000 on it. See, I just assumed for a minute you were you were talking about him selling an NFT. I mean, it's basically... It's also, art that like, doesn't exist. Right. It's basically the same thing, except there is no actual evidence of an, a piece of art existing for this instance. It's just in his imagination. It's like, oh, I, you know... I I I see it in my head. Do you want do you want to buy my idea? It's basically saying like I'm buying $18,000 for your idea. Imagine you could sell your ideas for money. I mean, you can, but like imagine you could just say, "Hey, I've got this really nice piece of art in my head. Do you want to give me money for it?" And then they do. That would be I would love that. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is not a thing. This happened to me or will happen to me. Well, this has certainly opened the door for the possibility of it happening. If you know the right people, all you have to do is say, hey, listen, I, I got a great idea for some art in my head. Do you want to give me some money for it? $18,000 for that. Amazing. I would love $18,000 just to sit and think. Like no effort being done. Like, that is just the ultimate finesse, isn't it? 
It really, it really is. I, I'm very impressed by that. Kind of jealous. <laughs> Anyways, uh, last thing on the docket for today: red cards. Kyle, what is your red card for today? My red card goes to Florida Governor Ronald DeSantis. Ronald McDonald DeSantis. For don't insult Ronald McDonald like that <laughs> by putting him in the same sentence as, as this piece of human filth who decided to sign into law Florida's anti-trans sports bill, which is which is being taken to court, shockingly. But he decided to wait until June 1st to sign this bill, June 1st being the start of Pride Month, being a very, very important day for the same people that this bill is giving a giant fuck you to. So my red card and my giant fuck you go to Ronald DeSantis, a human piece of filth. Yeah, I can jump on that one. I really don't have a red card for this week. I, I do just I do just want to point out in case like anybody hops in and goes, oh, but you know, you know, trans, you know, if they're born men, they they shouldn't be able to compete against girls. So California has had a law in the books since 2013 that has made it legal for you to to if you are transgender you can then compete in the sports for the for the the, the gender that you identify with not just the, the gender that's on your birth certificate which is what this this florida law says and not once has there been an issue or a, a massive problem with you know high school athletics being unfair or people being at an unfair advantage or whatever there are anecdotal examples that people have attempted to give nationwide that don't stand up to scrutiny but there is not some mass in in a state like california that has made it legal that is also a much more progressive state than florida so so you would you would think it's more likely there would be an example there than there would be in a place like florida but you know i, I as a friend of mine uh, parker malloy who is a, a a very very socially active progressive especially when it comes to trans rights and LGBT rights mentioned that conservatives just are really obsessed with children's genitals. They just really, I mean, obviously he's good friends. Ron DeSantis is good friends with Matt Gates, So I understand why he cares a lot about the genitals of children, <laughs> high schoolers specifically, God. but like, come on, there's, this is, this is an unwarranted baseless attack on trans kids who just want to be able to be normal kids and be treated like normal. And instead we're finding ways to attack them and choosing a day <laughs> in a month where, where they are being recognized to just go, Hey, no, fuck you. It's that's, that's awful. And there's no reason for it. And if you're going to sit here and defend that, I have words for you that I can't say, or our podcast will get taken down. Fair enough. <laughs> If you if you would like to at Kyle Foley, his uh, his Twitter handle, you can at me at K Foley FL. Please at me if you are a bigot. If you are a piece of human filth, I would love for you to come tell me you're a piece of human filth, so that I can continue to eviscerate you in a public platform. I would love for the world to know that you are a human piece of filth. If you are in fact a human piece of filth, fair enough. Alrighty, well you heard the man. If you are a nice person that is not a piece of filth, uh, thank you for listening. 
If you are a human piece of filth, go fuck yourself. But for those of you who are not, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We do always appreciate you listening in and always appreciate your feedback. Feel free to, I don't know, go rate us on Instagram, not Instagram, iTunes. That's still a thing, right? Is it iTunes or is it like Apple Music, Apple Podcasts? I believe it's the Apple Podcasts app now. Hmm. There you go. I do also want to clarify in my like saying human pieces of filth, our listeners are all lovely people. I would hope that none of you are the people that we're upset about. We just know they exist. But those of you that are listening, I would I would hope, if you are a fan of what we do, that we've cultivated an audience where you are not that type of person. And so I do apologize if it came off as aggressive to people that support the things that we're saying. I did not mean it that way. You are, you are all lovely people, and you deserve all of the four rivers and white claws in the world there you go you have heard the voice of kyle foley and my voice of austin david that has been me thanks for tuning in to another edition of the orlando soccer show we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about some orlando pride and the u.s men's national team because your orlando city will be off so nothing to talk about on that aspect of things but we'll still be back nonetheless so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week I heard what you said about me a few days ago, yeah. And I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend. But if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.